Welcome to the Emo Show, where we talk about all things relational. Today's podcast is to help you get unstuck from a relationship that you're dissatisfied with. How do you get out of a relationship or get more out of a relationship so that you feel more satisfied and fulfilled, more connected, have more passion, have more meaning, have more joy, have more fun in your relationship? You're the reason why your relationship is the way that it is. I'm going to tell you how that's true and what you can do about it when you know that it's true on this episode of The Emo Show. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships, but what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. This morning, I had another conversation. It's like Groundhog Day sometimes, where someone comes in and they've had years of frustration and disappointment in their relationship. And uh, they're discouraged. They're dissatisfied. They're unhappy in the quality of their relationship. And they feel like they're being held hostage to their happiness because they've made a commitment to be married. And in their marriage, they're dissatisfied and they don't have any other options. They don't want to break their commitment and get divorced. And so what they do is they stay frustrated and stuck in their relationship. There's a principle from a book that I absolutely love. It's called Extreme Ownership. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, uh, talking about how they take extreme ownership in situations which empower them to create change. And they've applied these principles in their trainings for leadership. Well, I love their principles and strategies, and I use it in relationships. And how we can use these principles of extreme ownership to create change in our relationship. Instead of being a victim of the relationship, which means I am powerless over the outcome and quality of the relationship. Well, that's hopeless, miserable. Your relationship is a result of what you're willing to put up with. If you put up with it, you'll end up with it. If you do not want to end up with it, do not put up with it. And that's where people go, well, Emil, you're, you're mean. You're, gonna, you're trying to destroy relationships. I am trying to destroy crappy relationships. That is so true. Oh, man. I'm on a mission to bulldoze, destroy, dismantle crappy relationships and make room for fantastic ones. Because fantastic ones are the only ones that are going to stand the test of time and provide a sense of value and support in our personal growth and create a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in our lives. So, wait a minute, Emil. How can you tell me That the quality of the relationship is completely my responsibility? Well, that whole idea of what you 
put up with, you'll end up with, you need to decide right away if you're going to just take what your spouse gives you and be okay with it, or if you want to set your sail and guide the rudder, in other words, make some choices about what you want in your relationship. And most of the time, the things we want in our relationship, the things that we want to experience, our spouse does too. We just don't make it transparent. We don't make it evident. And what ends up happening is we start to do this like subtle and maybe not so subtle little battles for specific parts of the things we want in our relationship without a big plan to get it. And so while one of you pursues one part of the relationship, the other one defends the other part of the relationship. I'll give you an example. The closeness and peace dichotomy, that battle. Both people want peace, both people want closeness. But one person is going to value peace a little more than closeness, and the other one's going to value closeness a little more than peace. So as soon as somebody starts to pursue closeness, which means bring up issues that are uh, causing some kind of a grief or disappointment or frustration in the relationship, the other person usually is going to protect the peace. And so they get defensive or avoid those conversations that could create closeness. And the more they have that argument, that conversation, both of them dig in deeper into what they're fighting for. One's fighting for closeness, one's fighting for peace, and they end up just fighting. So we need to make it clear what we both want and how we want what the other person wants. Recently, I had um, I learned about the power of validation in a research article. This research article shared that um, people are more likely to change, three times more likely to change their mind if we find elements of their position to validate, agree on common beliefs, find things that we can agree with which is totally unnatural. We usually find things that we don't agree with and point those things out, and then it becomes a battle of, you know, facts and figures. And facts and figures do not convince people to change their minds. We've heard the adage, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. We've heard that, right? But then we still think that we can use logic and facts to change people's minds. In fact, that is not a fact. We cannot do that. We change people's minds through emotions, through connection. Connect with people. When people feel connected, they feel safe. When they feel safe, they are open to being vulnerable. They're open to being wrong. And that gives them just enough room to change their mind. So when we have conversations with our partners, about our disappointments, frustrations. Let's get clear on what we are fighting for. We want more closeness, so why don't we bring that up? Instead of lobbing a complaint, let's talk about what we want to experience. Focus on what we do want more than what we don't want. Pointing out the things that we don't like is not the same as pointing out the things that we would like instead. Each of these areas of our relationship add up to more and more frustration and disappointment in the relationship. We're not trained on how to bring up things. We're not trained on how to process these interactions. 
so that both people feel heard, understood, validated, because we need that in order to maybe adjust our point of view or perspective to change. We need safety before we're willing to change our minds. We go through our relationships hoping that love will conquer all. In fact, we even say things like, if you love me, you would know what I need. If you love me, you wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. If you love me, you would do the things that I do need without even having to be told. Because if I tell you what I need, then then are you doing it because I asked you to or doing it because you love me? Some of these expectations are just unreasonable because they're not communicated. We can't assume that our partners, number one, know what we need, and number two, have the ability to meet those needs because of their own personal experiences in life that have taught them that the world is a certain way and that relationships are a certain way or men are a certain way or women are a certain way. And we end up getting more and more frustrated because we hold tightly to our expectations and very loosely to the tools that we need in order to align our expectations up a little bit better so we're less frustrated and disappointed. If we do not take our personal responsibility, okay, the extreme ownership that the result of the relationship is completely on your shoulders and then learn what we need to do in order to navigate change. Now, some of you might be going, whoa, 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 that's bad. No, that's good. Change, growth, is the sign of life. If you're not growing, you're probably dying. If the relationship isn't growing, it's probably dying. Think of the relationship as an organism that is separate from the people. 100% investment from one partner can barely keep the organism alive because it needs 100% from both people to be healthy. What tools, what skills, what abilities do we need to have in order to make a successful relationship? Have I become disciplined in custom building myself for my partner? So that my partner wants to spend more time and give me more attention. Uh, I call it time, touch, and talk, the three T's of a good relationship. If my partner doesn't want more time, touch, and talk from me, then I'm dropping the ball. I need to become the person that my partner wants more time, touch, and talk with. Demanding my partner to want it is ineffective. I need to become what my partner wants. Now, if I'm doing the best that I can to become the best version of myself and my partner is really like not that interested, I have a choice. I can either say, that's okay. I'll take what you give me and I will end up with what I put up with or I can choose to pursue a relationship that I do want, which might mean getting out of a relationship that I don't want. Sometimes We don't get those choices so clean. They're not so clear. What happens if our partner has a stroke or has an accident, has a disability? Well, what do we do then? Well, I think it's important first, before we we go too far on this, is a lot of times people, to excuse their lack of investment in, you know, growth, 
they'll say things like, well, what if I had a stroke? Well, then you wouldn't have sex or you, you know, may not have the conversation that you want because I was, you know, incapacitated. Well, there's a difference between incapacitation and stubbornness and unwillingness. The desire to grow is a characteristic in and of itself. And when people use that as an excuse to put the responsibility of being loved on the person instead of being lovable as a self, I think that's relational irresponsibility. It's my responsibility in the relationship to make my partner's wants, desires, preferences a priority to me to consider. And if those things make me a better version of myself, I probably would benefit and my relationship would benefit. So both the parties would benefit in making those adjustments in my life. So what am I doing to get what I want out of my relationship? If I put up with it, I end up with it. Those things that are truly important to me need to be focused on with a spirit of love, support, and understanding. If I want my partner to spend time with me, nagging my partner about how selfish they are with their time diminishes the likelihood of them wanting to spend time with me. So if I want my partner to spend more time with me, I might have to consider what does my partner want to talk about or do? What kinds of things can I add to my repertoire of self-building that would make me irresistible to spend time with me? See, that's one of the ways that we can actually create change in our relationship single-handedly. Instead of requesting change like you know, like we're ordering something off the menu, become what the other person needs us to become, okay, in order for them to give us what we want and what we need in the relationship. So if I want more time, I need to become more interesting. If I want more talk, I need to become more interesting. And if I want more touch, I need to become more interesting in those different ways. If you're dissatisfied in the relationship, what are you doing? What are you going to do to create change. And I hope that the first thing that you do, and this message should be redundant and shared, is you have power to create change by taking the initiative to making your partner's wishes, wants, desires a priority to you. And when you do that, you automatically change the dynamics of the relationship. If there are things in your relationship that you just don't want anymore, then seek a counselor, a therapist to help you articulate those things and learn the psychodynamics and relational dynamics to respectfully, lovingly, without manipulation, in a, you know, that's a very selfish thing. How can you interact with your partner in such a way that they find value in the change as well. That's our responsibility. So if you're in a relationship and you're dissatisfied in that relationship, what are you going to do about it? I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Emo Show. 
I hope that you find some sense of value in the things that I'm sharing to give you hope, confidence, and direction in making some changes to bring you closer together with the person that you love, making your relationship better than ever. I'll say this and I'll say this again many times is once you learn something and a new concept comes to you, even if you don't even like it that much, talk about what you've heard, talk about what you've learned, get the dialogue, get the conversation going, share this podcast with somebody else. And what I hope happens is that you'll start to have this conversation about what is Emil saying? Is there legitimacy to this? Is Emil missing something? What can we learn from this to strengthen our relationship with the people that we love? If you want to learn how to single-handedly turn your relationship around, make sure you get a copy of my free book, The Power of One. It's a short book, okay? It's not a big, long novel book. It's an easy book to read that teaches you the, the dynamics and relational tactics to lovingly create change in your relationship. I'll see you in a couple weeks on the next episode of The Email Show. Make sure you subscribe, like, share this, and uh, comment when you can because I love hearing from you. If you have questions that you'd like me to address in the future episodes, email me at emailharker at gmail.com.